Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Judy Falkenthal, and I serve as a deacon in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. O oh God, our rock and our redeemer, enlighten us today through the ancient witness of your faithful people. Lead us to desire the guidance of your word. Remind us of your ordinances that are true and righteous altogether. May they shape our living and warm us when we are in error. We seek to honor your name, to divest ourselves of idols, to keep this day of rest and worship. Work with us to develop right relationships in our families and with all your children near and far. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? The prophet says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will overshadow you. Nations shall come to the brightness of your rising, and kings to the glory of your dawn. Let us worship God. Every day, we sin against God and against one another, knowingly and unknowingly. Jesus said to us, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. Relying on Jesus' word, let us pray our confession together. O oh God, we have no righteousness of our own, we have bent and ignored your law. Your commandments inform us, but do not transform. We give lip service to your law, but seek to avoid its implication for our lives. We recognize some of our errors, but many are hidden from us. We devote our energies to accumulating positions that function as idols in our lives. We depend on them more than we honor you. Save us, we pray, from great transgressions and help us to reorder our days. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is God's faithfulness. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. God's forgiven children, let us affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, 
was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now we greet one another in Christ's name. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to worship here at Church of the Palms on this beautiful day. We're glad you are with us. We hope that you will find this to be a place of welcome, and we encourage you, especially if you are a visitor with us today, to sign the friendship pads which are in the pews, and that way we can know your name and hopefully put face and name together, and invite you to come out uh, underneath the tree afterwards for uh, some fellowship, a chance to have some more conversation. We have some more international coffee underneath the tree. There's uh, some mention about that on page eight in your bulletin, so take note of that. And we uh, want to encourage you always to invite a friend to church and uh, allow them to see the great things that are happening here at Church of the Palms. So it has been quite an interesting last few weeks here at Church of the Palms, and we want to show you just a few pictures of what has been taking place. Many of you are aware of these events, but perhaps you didn't have a chance to take, uh, be a part of all of them. Just uh, a couple of weeks ago, we did our sacred graffiti, finally, underneath the, uh, the, uh, the roof of our new building. Many of you went over and put some uh, blessings onto the walls of our new building that's on its way up, and we were grateful for that and captured a few of these pictures of people writing messages, and uh, those will be there forever. Uh, or unless they decide to, you know, replace the walls for some reason. But, uh, but we are grateful for uh, the fact that to know that those messages are implanted in our new building and uh, they uh, go, that new building will be blessed by the people of God. We had a chili cook-off a couple of weeks ago as well, a chance to invite again the community to come and sample, I don't know, we had like 175 different kinds of chili, I think it was. And... Uh, and uh, so lots of uh, new faces and people here to receive our hospitality and to enjoy some good spicy chili. And uh, I think Dr. Brown might have won the contest or, yeah, she, she's the one that organized the contest and she won it. So anyway, uh, uh, don't know what that's all about. And then uh, many of you know that we were collecting supplies for those who uh, received the ravages of Hurricane Irma, and uh, we were able to fill up an entire van along with a U-Haul trailer and took that down to Immokalee, Immokalee community, which was really affected greatly, and we have a mission there, Presbyterians have a mission there, so we delivered supplies there, and we also received an offering of almost $18,000, and we are planning to use those funds uh, to support various uh, organizations that are on the front lines of uh, ministry here uh, in the area to uh, respond to Irma. So we are grateful that you are partnering with us as we go about our effort to reach out to our community. Uh, we have been really on the serving side of so many things over these last couple of weeks, so we're grateful for that. 
We did lose a Sunday of uh, ministry with you on Sunday morning when Irma came through, which meant we, we kind of got a week behind in our offerings, and we would be mindful of that as you can th consider your giving throughout the rest of the year, that uh, the good Lord has many more things for us to do here before, between now and the end of uh, December. We have a new members class coming up today, so come over to the chapel if you'd like to learn more about membership here at Church of the Palms. We'd love to have you come and be a part of us officially. Uh, we have a wonderful class, another class, adult education class called the Wired Word, which is upstairs in room 206 in the education building. It's a great chance to come and talk about current events, things that are torn right out of the newspaper, and what is the Christian response to that. That's at 1015 upstairs in room 206. Presbyterian women are having a gathering on October the 21st, and they'll be receiving uh, guests from the Southeastern Guide Dogs organization uh, to learn about that great service here in our community. And then lastly, we are welcoming Steve Sipes into our ministry over in the contemporary service, our new worship leader, so perhaps you'll want to you know, sneak over there at 10 o'clock and experience that worship and welcome a new leader into our worship life. Now let's continue our worship.
together in prayer. Gracious and loving Father, we praise you and we give you thanks, for you are good and worthy of all our praise. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Father, we come to you with trembling hearts, hurt and fearful after the devastating violence in Las Vegas, another hurricane, and our nation torn asunder in the midst of racial and political strife, exacerbated by hostile and unforgiving voices, intolerant of other views, unwilling to try to understand the other. We like to think that with enough money and education and technology, we can solve the world's problems on our own, but we cannot. Only you, with your infinite wisdom and knowledge of all the complexities involved in these tough issues, can bind the wounds, soothe the aches, and heal the root causes. So we beseech you, O God, that you would bring about peace on earth, goodwill among all humankind, and the full reconciliation of your great creation. We thank you, O God, for the men and women in our military who serve bravely to maintain our freedom. Please let them be a light in dark places, in the dark places they are sent, and when they return home, let us honor them and their families as they deserve for the sacrifices they have made for us. We come to you with our needs close to home as well, Father. We are grateful to you that we live in such a beautiful part of your creation. But like other places, there is hunger here, sickness, homelessness, and pain of many kinds. Some of us need money, some need healing, and some need guidance and direction. Others of us need comfort for our grieving hearts, and some just need to know that we matter to someone. You are the great Jehovah Jireh, God, our provider. In your graciousness, meet our needs today, dear Father. Even as we lift up to you these petitions, we know that we are a blessed people and have much for which to be thankful. We praise you and we thank you, gracious Lord, for the gifts of our families, our work, our schools, and our church. We are so grateful to be able to serve your people in your name through our ministries and missions here. We are filled with hope for the future as we watch the building of our Palm Center. And now, O oh God, our strength and our Redeemer, we dedicate our lives to you and ask that you would make your light and your love so shine in our hearts that wherever we go and whatever we do, people would see your love in Jesus Christ in us and that it would cause them to long for you. Hear now as we pray together the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us continue our worship with a joyful presentation of our tithes and offerings.
As we offer our treasure and our hearts to you, O God, may they be used to pass on the promise of hope, of peace, of life, of community to all in need of your gifts and presence in their lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And now we invite the children to come forward with Miss Carol. Today's special day. We get to watch a beautiful baptism. Yeah, no. We're going to sit right up here and watch. Let's sit over here, right up close. Right here, guys, over here. Come on up. Come on over. Come on over so you can see. Just this That's Julie. Come on up. Yeah, come on up. Our church family's getting a little bigger. <laughs> So you can see, come on over here. Okay. Well, hello there. You guys want to come over? You guys want to come over here? Come on over here. This is going to be fun. <laughs> come on over here, gang. Yeah, you can come, come a little closer. Here. Take a look. Here, we're going to watch this yes, baptism. yes. It is great Julie. to have the Apgars with us this morning and to have Julie, who is really looking forward to this experience. We. <laughs> Rejoice, whether we are happy or sad, that the good Lord loves us. And in baptism, we know that God loves us because God reaches out and claims us all as his children. And so in baptism, we have the chance to bring our children before the great family of faith and the family of faith as an extension of God's arms and wraps our children in love and in grace so that they know through our life together that they are truly loved. So we make promises in baptism. Mom and dad make promises for their little girl and so does the church of Jesus Christ make promises as we together share in this great family experience welcoming new children into our life together. So to that end, I would love uh, David and Violetta if you would respond to these questions as you bring Julie to be baptized this morning. We're also grateful to have Matthew and Dorothy with us to, today as well, supporting uh, this little girl and her baptism today. So do you reaffirm your own faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, do you? Yes, we do. Do you claim God's covenant of promises on your child's behalf, and do you look in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ for her salvation as you do your own? And do you now unreservedly promise and humble reliance upon God's grace to set before Julie an example of the new life in Christ? Do you? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And do you, the members of this congregation, in the name of the whole Church of Christ, undertake with these parents the Christian nurture of their child so that in due time she may confess faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you? Yes, we do. And will you endeavor by your example and fellowship to strengthen her ties with the household of God? Will you? Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks that you are the God of grace. You are the God who through our arms reaches out and claims all of your children to be your own. And we pray, O oh Lord, that through your Holy Spirit we will come to know of your presence here in this moment and that we will know that you are the God of grace, you are the God of welcome, and you are the God of all of your children. And we pray, Lord, that we may sense that, and we may embrace our own life together as the family of faith. For we pray in Christ's name, amen. There you go. Hello there. I understand. Oh, 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 oh. Help, help, help. Come on over here. There you go. Isn't that fun? No. Julie Noel Apgar, no. ever so reluctantly, I baptize you <laughs> in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Sister Carol. <laughs> okay, this is fun. Welcome, Julie. We'd like to officially welcome Julie into the family of faith, you. your family ministries. And as you guys may have heard before, we like sticky kids. 
And we love to create a sticky faith in our kids so that when they leave, they graduate and leave home, they don't leave their faith behind. So we know you as parents aren't, aren't the only influence. You're the most important influence Julie needs, but you're not the only one. So we want to partner with you, your church family, as we walk in love, little Julie. And um, to commemorate this, we'd like to give you a Bible um, a little Bible story book, and also this beautiful cross stitch that's made by a very special member of your church family. So, um, and your certificate. So, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Go. Thank yes. you very much. Mm-hmm. So, let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you love this little girl, Julie. We're grateful that she has, from the very moment of the start of her life, that you have loved her and that you have welcomed her into your family and that you welcome her into the kingdom of heaven. We pray, Lord, that you will bless her, bless her mom and dad, bless her family, that they may know that they are surrounded by this larger family of faith. And we pray, Lord, that as we continue to grow together, that Julie will discover more and more of what the love and grace of Jesus Christ looks like through being present here within her family. So bless her and keep her, make her to know always of your presence and of your spirit, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Oh, God, bless you. God bless you. See you. All right, man. Take care of you. be seated. I'll win her over someday. <laughs> Our scripture lessons today are from the Old and New Testaments. We continue to follow the journey of the people of God through the Old Testament. You remember that we talked about Moses last week and his call and his uh, reluctance to follow that call and God's baloney uh, that he offered to Moses to have him reconsider perhaps that he might be God's person for the call. Today we find the Israelites now in the middle of the wilderness. They are making their journey. They have crossed over the Red Sea. They have made their way into the wilderness and we find uh, the story picked up here at verse 1 of Exodus 16. The whole congregation of the Israelites set out from Elam, and Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, 
which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way I will test them whether they will follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaint against the Lord. For what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening, and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard the complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us but against the Lord. And then our second lesson is from the Gospel of Matthew, the sixth chapter, beginning at the 25th verse. Jesus speaks and says, therefore I tell you, do not worry. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Uh, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And, and can any of you by worrying, I'll say that again, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life. And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will give us ears to hear, minds to discern, hearts to understand and to feel what this word is to be for us that we may be your bold people. In Christ's name, amen. So whether it is located inside our smartphones or inside the dashboard of our cars, many of us carry with us when we are driving a disembodied voice that is telling us where to go. We type in our destination and some satellite somewhere beams down to us the route we are to take. We, we set aside our AAA road maps and even sometimes our common sense and we listen to this disembodied satellite voice tell us where we are to go. At least I hope until the disembodied voice tells us to cross a bridge that is not there or to turn down the wrong way of our one-way street or to continue upon a detoured road. And how many times has it happened when we have chosen to ignore, perhaps wisely, the disembodied voice and drive what seems to be the sensible route, and the voice then begins to speak to us to say, at the next available opportunity, please turn around. <laughs> Sometimes we have selected a calm disembodied voice to admonish us. 
At the next available opportunity, please turn around. Others have chosen a drill sergeant. At the next available opportunity, please turn around. I like the drill sergeant myself. But the problem is you can go on for a distance with a rather stubborn GPS that will not give up on telling you that you are going the wrong way and you need to go back. You need to go back, recalculating. You need to go back, recalculating. You need to go back. Now, the easy analogy that you've heard, I'm sure, in a ton of sermons or blogs or podcasts is that in this spiritual world, there is this thing called repentance, which means stop, turn around, and, and that everyone carries with us this disembodied divine voice who is telling us of the times when we were heading down the wrong path and that we must recalculate and at the next available opportunity, turn around and go back sound advice in many seasons of our life. Repentance is a very important part of the spiritual journey. Turn around, go back. Now that's the easy analogy. It's not the easy thing to do, but it's the easy analogy. God says turn around, so I should turn around. But sometimes it is not God who is telling you to turn around. You see, it's important to understand that the divine GPS voice of repentance is not the only voice that is talking in our heads. Even if you are mentally healthy, the truth is you have lots of voices who are speaking to you, the voice of conscience, the voice of ego, the voice of God, the voice of insecurity, the voice of the pizza you ate last night, whatever. And it can be difficult sometimes to discern which of these voices is speaking and which of them should I be listening to. Because one of these voices that often speaks to us is the voice of fear. And the voice of fear is the voice that almost always comes from the future. The voice of fear is that voice that comes to us from the uncertainty of the future asking, what's going to happen? And it is the voice of fear that will often tell us to turn around, to go back, to return to the way things used to be. Not to go back, find a new road. No, just to simply go back because back there feels a lot more comfortable. I am a nostalgic person myself. I love to look back. I love scrapbooks. I love old family stories. I love old sports players. I love that when Michigan used to beat Michigan State. <laughs> and I noticed a lot of green being worn today. I love the old music. My radio dial is set to the classic rock station music from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. That's when they played real rock and roll, right? I love to look back, but when I look back, I know that what I'm doing is I'm looking through distorted lenses. When I look back on my life, I often have these rose-colored glasses, and I see things not as they really were, but only as I want to remember them. Life was not necessarily any easier back then. It certainly wasn't any happier. But it's easy to look back and paint the sky sunny and the breezes cool. And so there can be this temptation in our lives to want to go back, to stop time, to rewind the clock to when life was better, and in turn, resist the future. Be resist the future because I don't know what the future holds, and I don't know, here's the important part, I don't know if I have what it takes. Resist the future because I don't know what it holds and I don't know whether I have what it takes. That's the sense, right? That's the issue in our story this morning from Exodus. Last week, we read that Moses accepts the call from God, takes his marathon to Egypt to free his people. He's gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with Pharaoh to let his people go, and Pharaoh has let his people go, and they have crossed the sea, and now they are in the wilderness on their way to the promised land, on their way to the future, on their way to the promised freedom 
leaving behind slavery, leaving behind forced labor, leaving behind cruel conditions. They're on their way now to a, to a new life, but, but they don't particularly know what that life is going to be, and they don't particularly know if they have what it takes. So when the first test comes, when they first wonder if they're going to have what it takes, namely food itself, all of a sudden there comes this voice from the future, this voice that says, go back, recalculate, go back. Slavery wasn't so bad, forced labor wasn't so bad, cruel working conditions weren't so bad. At least we had a little gruel for our tummies. Remember the good old days of gruel. And that's the crazy thing about this voice of fear. It can turn gruel into a T-bone steak. Oh, gruel, man, I used to love gruel. But you know, if there's anything we learn from the Bible, it is that God does not go back. God does not go back. God is always moving ahead. God, not only does God move ahead, but God is always making a way for us to move ahead too. When the Israelites get to the sea, God parts the water, right? When the bread runs out, God showers manna from heaven. When the meat runs out, God drops quail from the sky. When the water runs out, H2O bleeds forth from a rock. God is always moving ahead, and God is always making a way for us to move ahead too. Unless, of course, it is this voice of fear that we want to listen to. You know, the tragedy of Israel's story is when they kept moving ahead, they made great progress all the way up to the edge of the land of freedom. But when they got to the edge of the promised land and looked over and sent spies and heard reports that there were giants in the land, giants in the land, oh, forget the sea, forget the manna, forget the quail, forget the water. Oh, no, no, no. They let the voice of the uncertain future take the center stage and they listened and they said, oh, best we go back, best we retreat, best wandering around in the past and embracing the future. And so they turned back and they wandered and they wandered. They wandered for 38 more years in the past. God's in the promised land already. <laughs> and they wander in the wilderness. The greatest thing to fear is the temptation to go back. I finished recently Candace Millard's history of Winston Churchill's early life when he was involved in the Boer War in what is now known as South Africa, a book called Hero of the Empire. The 24-year-old Churchill found himself in the middle of a war and in the train and in his train where he was transporting through South Africa, it was attacked by the Boers that resulted in him and all his comrades being captured and marched off to a prisoner of war camp. And from the moment of his arrival at the POW camp, all that Churchill could think of was escaping. He was not going to ride out this war as a POW. So along with two friends, they devised an escape plan. But when the time came for the escape, only Winston was in the right place at the right time, the moment when the guards were not looking. And he took the chance, scaled the fence, dropped to the other side. And in that moment, on the other side from captivity, the side of freedom, he realized that as much as he wanted to be free, being free was dangerous. It, it was safer, actually, to be in bondage. But then came a second thought. The only thing more dangerous, though, than being free was to climb back over the fence. <laughs> and he realized that there was no going back. And I'll let you read the rest of the story. The greatest thing to fear is the temptation to go back. 
Because you see, God's always moving ahead. God's always going to get those people to the promised land, whatever it takes. Manna, quail, water, Moses, Joshua, even Rahab the prostitute helps them get into the promised land. God is always making a way for us to move ahead. That's why I love that great story in the Old Testament, one we all know when the Israelites reach a dead end with the Philistines and they don't think they can go any further because the Philistines have got this big giant Goliath. And no one's going to take on Goliath. No one's going to take on Goliath. Unless it's this little shepherd boy who happens to be pretty good with a slingshot. And there just so happens to be five smooth stones. And he just needs one. And before anyone knows, the giant is lying on the ground. And God is moving forward. The greatest thing to fear is the temptation to go back. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, what do we hear from Jesus? Time to move ahead. Let's move ahead with a new spirit of the law that says that love is the ace card in the whole deck. Love is the beginning and the end of the law. It's not about the statutes and all the ordinances. No, it's about making sure your neighbor, your fellow human being is getting loved. And it's the religious bosses who say, oh, no. Oh, no, we're not going there. We're not going in that land. No way. Lions and tigers and bears in that land. And God says, Jesus says, God is moving ahead, and frankly, perfect love casts out fear. God will make a way. God will reign manna. God will provide, because you see, love, God's love is always moving forward, and it's risky, and it's unknown, and it's uncertain, and we may not always get it right, but God is always dragging us into the future, because the future is where the living are. And it's the living that need to be loved. Don't be anxious for tomorrow, Jesus says, for tomorrow will have its own problems. And by the way, the one who clothes the lilies of the field and makes them look better than Solomon is the one who's paying attention to you too. Remember when Jesus passed by the young man who wanted to follow him, but he said he first needed to bury his father, and Jesus says, leave the dead to bury the dead. And I always say, that's not really nice of Jesus to say that. But you know, God is always moving forward, always has a heart for the living. And that's what the church is about, right? The church of Jesus Christ, ever since its very beginning, it's always been on this move ahead from the day of Pentecost with a new spirit, blew through the apostles. The church has always been on the advance. Helmut Tillich, the great theologian, said the gospel is always being forwarded to a new address. We rejoice in the past. Oh, we rejoice in the past, but we never go back there. We sing the old hymns, of course, we recite the ancient creeds, but we move ahead into the uncertainty of the future. We know that God has some loving still for us to do. We baptized a baby this morning. We're going to baptize another one to the next service. And every child, Julie, drags us into the unknown future and a changing world. When my daddy baptized my daughter almost 30 years ago, there were no such things as iPhones and Facebooks and terrorists flying into buildings and madmen spraying concerts with bullets, opioid crises, Amazon.com, Hurricane Harvey, Irma, Maria, Nate. None of that was on the radar. But the church said to my little girl, the church says to that little girl, the church says to all of God's children, we will go with you. We will go with you into the future. And we will love you every step of the way. We're on our 61st year here at Church of the Palms, 61, and we gather together and we give thanks for the 60 that have passed us by, and, and then we pivot, right? And the world is very different. It's a very different place than it was 60 years ago, and the challenges are different, and the culture is less accommodating to a church like ours, but we move ahead. We, we build palm centers, and we engage youth, and we hand out groceries, and we tutor children, and we care for infants, and we, and we forward the gospel always to a, a new address, perfect love, cast out any fear of that. We don't worry about what, whether we'll have enough because it is God who creates the manna and drags us forward and God says, don't hold on to that manna in your pockets. 
Don't be saving for a rainy day because you've got this great church, he says, to support. And the longer you hold on to your money, the more your kids will fight over it. <laughs> Don't sit there waiting for things to go back to the way they used to be because they never will and never should. Because, friends, guess what? When you walk in this door, you're over the fence. You are over the fence. God is on his way to the promised land, and he always has a new generation to love. You've heard me tell before the story of Terry Fox, young Canadian teenager, great athlete. Wakes up one morning, young teenage boy, to find he has bone cancer. Wakes up another morning to find out that they have to amputate his leg above the knee. The boy's a track star. Talk about wanting to go back. <laughs> Talk about wanting to relive the old days. But no more than a year later, with a prosthesis attached to his thigh, Terry Fox says, no more living in the past. Time to move ahead. He's going to run across Canada, he says to himself. He's going to run across Canada and, and raise money for children with cancer. <laughs> uh, Terry, you don't have what it takes, really. You don't have the body. You don't have the stamina. Best you stay in the past. But Terry says, we're moving ahead, and we're going to run across Canada for children. And all of Canada ended up running with them. They sent money into his run across Canada. He ran across Canada 20 Eight miles a day he averaged running. They emptied their pockets because this young man was taking them into the future. And at the end of his 3,000-plus mile run when his cancer returned and eventually took his life, oh, but by then Terry had already raised $22 million for cancer research. That's a little bit of love. I'm not sure who it was that said that a familiar captivity is often more desirable than an unfamiliar freedom. Ain't that the truth? But what's even more true is that God is on the move, and he drags us with him. And it's scary, and it's dangerous, and it is uncertain. But the greater fear should always be going back. Love is always out in front of us, never behind us. And perfect love, perfect love casts out fear.
Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.